B-Ball Referees and Referee Rant continues with their collaboration with the Referee Roundtable, Part 2, Communication and Mentorship. Bernard Bowen Sr. and I lead a lively discussion with about 20 officials of all levels to speak on the importance of those attributes in officiating. We hope you enjoy. And now, Tales from the Third Team. Okay, I'm going to get started. Those who pop in later, we'll talk about their time management skill. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank Ralph from Referee Ramp for helping us host this uh, roundtable and saying hello and talk a little bit about basketball this evening. So I want to welcome everyone in. Uh, I'm Bernard Bowen, if you don't know who I am. Uh, we're here to talk about refereeing, staying focused, a couple of different things that we, we try to do. We did a roundtable last weekend with a small group. It worked out real, real well, so I'm looking forward to another one. I welcome those referees back who was with us last week and the ones who are coming on this week to join us. So I thank you all for coming on. We do have a couple of guests. Uh, that I will be introducing, and they will all say a few words, which I think would be great. Uh, first and foremost, topic tonight is going to be about communication and mentoring. And we have a couple of videos in between that that we would like to probably show. So what I would like to probably do is introduce Danny Basil. Uh, Danny Basil is going to say a few words to us. We have Ashley here. Uh, it's going to say a few words for us. Uh, and we have Kevin Sparrick back as well. It's going to say a few words to us. So, Ralph, would you like to add anything before we get started with our first guest to say a few words and then we'll break them into it and we can go from there? Uh, no, just good evening, everybody. Uh, I just hope you guys uh, found value in the first uh, roundtable. This has been very worthwhile for me and Bernard. Um, this is a way we could still continue to engage in the refereeing community, even though uh, it doesn't exist. So like I said, I'm looking forward to this venture with Bernard. And of course, you know, everyone, if, if you have anything that you want to share, just try to leave yourself on mute when the guest speakers are speaking. Um, and if you have anything that you want to share in the chat room, just let me know and then I'll bring it up to Bernard and we'll move forward with that. But uh, we can, we thank you for your continued support and looking forward to tonight. Awesome. So tonight's going to be about communication, uh, our first topic, and to kick us off just so that we can have some kind of uh, welcome. Danny, would you allow us to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and what do you think about communication? And then we will actually have all the referees give us their chime in when we ask them some questions, what do they think of communication? And then I will give some feedback at the end of that. So okay. Danny, would you come on and say hello? Well, first I want to thank uh, Ralph and Bernard for having me. Um, you know, I do know some people that are already um, on this call and it's nice to see everybody, everyone's staying safe. Um, 
know, as, as far as our, my refereeing background, you know, Bernard was, uh, was the person that actually got me into refereeing. I, I want to say close to like 20 years ago, I would say, um, working youth games. And, you know, I started from the bottom, just like most people do. Um, you know, and I kind of wasn't taking it serious until about seven or eight years ago uh, when I started doing high school basketball. Um, so I, I just probably finished my eighth year of high school, um, my fifth year of college and finished my first year of division one. Um, so it's, it's been a great ride. It's been a great, you know, second job. I'm, I'm a, I'm athletic director and a high school vice principal in New Jersey. Um, I live in Hackensack, New Jersey right now. Um, you know, I really appreciate the fact that Bernard was somebody that could mentor me and, and kind of help me through it. Um, you know, I've, I've, uh, had other people like Zach Zarba kind of help me through the process. Um, and I'm kind of satisfied where I'm at right now. And hopefully, um, you know, there's some things in my experience that I could help younger referees or people that are just breaking into the business, um, kind of help and guide them through the process. Um, but, you know, with the topic of communication, um, I think it's, it's the most important thing as a referee, not only to be good at your craft, but to be able to talk to people, you know, be able to talk to the coaches, be able to talk to the players, be, being able to speak to your, your peers and, and your, your fellow officials, you know, whether it's off the court or, or on the court about plays or things that are going on during the game. I think that's the most important thing is if you can't communicate or you can't create a dialogue with people um, in this business, um, it's not going to be an easy road for you. Um, so I, I've worked on that throughout my time and, and I'm hoping that I'm getting better. And, um, but I think that's the key to becoming a, a good official is being able to communicate and dialogue with people, even when you're wrong. Um, you know, there's plenty of times we're going to make a call or we're going to have a discussion with somebody, a coach or a player. We can't always think we're right. You know, you have to be able to have a dialogue and be able to admit that you're wrong sometimes too. Um, and I think that's what most coaches and, and players will respect about you as an official, if you're able to do that in a, in a positive manner. Great. Thank you so much. And world of information. And as I said, you know how I feel about you as a young man and as an official, and I'm always going to be in your corner to support you, whatever I can do. I will always do that for you. I appreciate it. Very that. proud of you. Thank you. Okay, we have Thank another you. guest on that will tell us a little bit about herself. Uh, Ashley, would you introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what you think about the communication side of the basketball game? Sure. Um, so next year, I'll be going into my ninth season of refereeing overall. Um, I obviously started out, just like Danny said, doing local rack stuff, high school stuff, worked my way up through uh, the women's college game. And I spent two years in the G League, one year in the W, and this was my second season in the NBA. Um, <clears throat> I think right now in the period of uncertainty that we're in, it's important um, because we're eventually going to go back to work all of us at some point. So I think it's important to continue to find time to get in the rule book, study, watch film, um, get on these Zoom calls. You know, I'm on Zooms every single day, multiple times a day, um, looking at plays, different discussion groups, 
Um, so just kind of trying to stay connected to the game. And most importantly, I think trying to stay in shape. It's easy when you're home and you lose track of time and what day it is. It's easy to kind of just sit in front of the TV and not do much. But I think to stay motivated that we are going to end up going back to work and we're going to be expected to be on our A game just like the players are. Um, trying to stay, you know, as active as we can at home in conjunction with um, staying in the rule book and looking at plays and, and just talking shop with other referees. Awesome. Is that guy next to you, my buddy? He's in the kitchen. He's in the kitchen helping me out tonight since I'm on these calls. <laughs> okay, tell him I said hello. I will. And if he does get a chance, he's definitely welcome to get on and say hello. I'll tell him. Uh, all right. And thank you for joining us and listening in. And anytime you want to chime in, please do so. Thanks for having me. Uh, thank you. Uh, Kevin Sparrett, would you please come on and say a few words for us? What would you like me to talk about? Communication? <laughs> uh, and I, I could tell some stories to Kevin about his communication skills in his early days of officiating, but I'm going to let him talk about it and, and, um, and let us all learn. So the, 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 the path to communication took a long road for me. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I, 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 it took me a long time to just say hello sometimes. So I, the, the approach I've always thought about that, um, that Dan actually just spoke about was be, admitting that you're wrong. And, you know, a lot of tape breakdown does a, a, lot, of, a lot of things for you. You know, it just really helps you to find that place. This is a very humbling game. And... And you'll find out you're a lot wronger most of the time than you're actually right. Um, the thing that I've, I've, I've always ingrained in my head now and I wrote, was writing it down was that idea of empathy and compassion whenever you're dealing with people, whenever you're dealing with players, whenever you're dealing with coaches, you have to know on the other side, their part in this business and what they're going through and how they're handling their situation. Um, and that's just really the mindset that's helped me through with my communication. And yes, communication starts before you even get to the locker room, before you, when you have these, these, uh, these um, have your pregame, um, before you enter the court. Communication is everything in our game, even beyond just throwing fouls and violations. And, and, you know, like Ashley says, I think I've been on a conference call. I have one later on this, this later on today, a Zoom call. I'm actually sick of Zoom calls. I'm, I'm tired of it. There's a lot of communication going on. Um, um, so no, it's a, it's a long road. It's never complete. It's a, and if you're not learning every time you're on the court, you know, you just haven't experienced it yet. And, and if you haven't experienced it, it's going to come up on you soon. Um, you know, and again, this is a very humbling game. I'm very thankful for Bernard just giving me the platform just to speak a little bit, but I appreciate you again. Thank you. So now that we have all these guests that uh, stopped and gave us a bit of their time, I, I very much appreciate it. And I thank you all for coming on and saying hello to the group. Uh, so now I'm going to go through some of the officials and I'm going to ask them, what do they think communication is and how do they think they communicate and give us a little bit of, of, of other ways of communicating without using your voice. What do you think makes yourself feel better at communicating without your voice at times? So, uh, Tom Murphy, can you take it off and give me the first one? little bit about communication and using it without using your voice um just you know i mean i identify with um you know that it starts right you know right when you enter the building 
you know, from how you dress to how you're interacting with staff and all of that and then the pregame. But um, I think, you know, like, as, as far as um, – as far as communication, like directly during the game, is, uh, you know, standing strong, good body language and posture. Mm-hmm. When you interact, uh, have more of a listening posture, look somebody in the eye. And those would, I, I would say, are some good uh, nonverbal cues. Nice. Since Zach is sitting right next to you and you're listening, come on, Zach, tell us a little bit. Now, nonverbal communication? Yes. Um, uh, nonverbal communication. Uh, I, I, I do think there are certain types of postures that come across as more confrontational uh, than others. Um, I feel like with, with uh, you know, with, with uh, coaches, um, you know, during like a dead ball or a timeout, I think it's okay to to get close to a coach, not to keep like such a great distance. But even if they're even if they're angry, just get close and show them that you're approachable. Um, but but I don't really have any specific things that I can like pull out of thin air that what I do or what I should do non-verbally. I guess I'm still learning that. Okay. Ivy, can you give me a little bit of what you feel about that? Um, in terms of nonverbal communication, um, I, I, there's a few. There's um, just essentially just being engaged for the whole entire game, as opposed to like looking in the rafters, looking in the stands, just being engaged and keeping your eye on your primaries and things like that. So even if it's like a blowout, people know that you're still engaged and you're still watching the game. Um, Zach was mentioning in terms of like confrontational, like having your arms like crossed and folded can definitely put um, – yourself at like, at like a distance, but like the other coaches, so that make you seem less approachable. So I guess those are my two things. Okay. Smush Parker, welcome again. Thank you for joining. Please come and tell us a little bit what you may think and coming from that other level of playing at the level that you have played at, what would you look at official when you see that official uh, non-verbally saying something to you? and he doesn't have to use his voice, what would you see or what did you see or how do you feel about that when you were playing the game? Well, one thing I want to say about communication uh, from, my, from, my, from a player's point of view is I hate it when officials never looked a player in the face when a player wouldn't, you know, approach them to, you know, talk to them or ask them about, you know, a play or a foul or what, what they saw. You know, uh, when referees uh, seem like they're, um, above reproach or above, you know, uh, just the game itself, it, it's very discouraging and, and, it, and it actually angers players. Um, uh, so I would say, you know, eye contact, you know, you know we're, we're people, we are human, you know, players and the referees, you know, we, you know, we, can, we, we should be allowed to, as a player, should be allowed to approach a referee and ask a question and get an answer, you know, a, a, a very sensitive, you know, uh, thoughtful, you know, response. But, you know, when a referee seems like they can't be approached and they take that, that, that tone of don't talk to me, don't even come over here, that, 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 those kind of nonverbals are very, um, uh, it, it, it incites anger and rage. 
Okay. So I would say eye contact. Great. Andrew, how are you, buddy? Nice to see you. Uh, Come on and give me a little bit about the uh, nonverbal a little bit. Yeah, Bernard and Ralph, thank you for putting this together, uh, first off. Uh, my aspect would be you know, nonverbal communication. Uh, I'm going to pinch a lot of everyone who's already said everything beforehand. Um, is be engaged. Mush, uh, that makes sense. Eye contact, so give people respect. The other part of it is if you're going to make a call, be clear with your calls. You know, if your hand signals, you know, I, I, I do remember doing a, a ref game. My partner was deaf and he couldn't speak properly. So his hand signals were unbelievable. So being clear with your hand signals is the best way of communicating without using your voice. Very good. I like that. Arthur, how do you communicate with using your voice? How do you think is the best way to communicate with, with players after a foul or, or when something occurs? How do you communicate with your voice? With the voice? Um, after you make a, basically, after you make a call or whatever, just and some players, you're always 50% correct or wrong anyway. So just listen to the player and see what he's going to say if it's a foul or something, but Smith, I didn't do that, I didn't do this, just always listening, just listen, and and um, never think you're 100% correct, because honestly, like everyone else has been saying, this is definitely a, a humbling sport, uh, and um, you'll definitely get humbled quickly if you don't listen and you don't, um, it, say not, yeah, if you don't listen, really, and, um, Never look so mean, you know. I, I like what Smush said about eye contact. You can have the eye contact, but not look so mean at the person either. That you that you that you can't come, that they can't come to you to talk to you. You know, um, and that's about it, really. Hey, Renee, as a new yeah. official coming in, yes. how do you feel about how do you feel about your communication skills when you make a call? and that call is made and everybody or half, like he said, 50% don't agree with you. How do you feel about your communication skills in those situations? Um, well, just starting out and I have had some fans maybe disagree with some of the calls that I've made. And if I have made a mistake, I will say, you know, like my bad, you know, I'll catch the next one, but I try to be as, uh, assertive as I can, trying to sell the call. Although I may not be right, I try to sell it as best as I can. Um, so that's what I've done. And, you know, I've looked to my partner for some assistance at times when I wasn't sure. Um, so, right, that's what I've done so far. Nice. Chris, talk to me. I know your, yeah, communication, <laughs> I know um, your communication skills are great. But I, I like to hear you talk about how you handle situations where sometimes it's confrontational with coaches. Uh, um, first and foremost on communication. Can you hear me, first of all? Yes. Can you yeah, hear me? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay. Yeah, first and foremost with confrontational, I think that helps you. Like, I'm a student of the game, so having a coach that's going to curse you out for your call, it kind of makes you – 
like Bernard always says, like if you can't explain it, don't call it. So it makes you more consistent on, okay, I'm going to call this because I can explain it. And I try to, you know, try to listen, try to be a student of the game and try to learn, you know, from every situation. Some coaches you can laugh with, some coaches you can't. Some coaches just want to tell you off. Some coaches want a technical, some coaches don't. You just, it's, it's communication is like the most important thing in, in everything. I try to communicate with players. I try to communicate with my partner. I try to communicate with the coaches. I from from when you go, I think communication starts from when I go introduce myself to the coaches. If I go give him a handshake and he already nodding me off, I know it's gonna be a long day. If he's giving me a welcoming handshake, I know we're gonna have more of a leniency. So you gotta know when and when not to communicate. It's just learning. Some guys you can't even talk to. Sometimes some guys you might just have to walk away and come back later on a timeout and talk to all gals, guys or gals, let me not be. <laughs> so That's good. Sean just got on, and uh, Sean, welcome. And we're talking about communication tonight. Sean's actually a school teacher. Uh, Sean, I want you to tell us a little bit about where you have been and how'd you get where you got. And what do you think your communication skills have done for you to get you where you are? First off, I want to start by saying good night to everyone. And of everybody's being safe. That's, that's excuse, 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 excuse us. That's the West Indian terminology. We don't say good <laughs> evening, we say good night. <laughs> so I am West Indian as well. So I understood <laughs> it, and every else, everybody else may not. Say good night to you too. Yes, yes, yes. I have a Western. We're not hanging up. We're not hanging up yet. Right. So come on, Sean. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, so basic, basically, I came. I came a long way. I have. I have been training hard and long, and the process wasn't easy. But I, I, I believed in myself, and I believed in and all the stuff that Bernard had taught us. And I was patient. Um, Bernard knew I came a long way. And I'm just happy to where, where I'm at right now in, in the fish officiating game. Um, I was able to pick up a lot of jewels that Bernard has taught me. And some of Bernard's senior staff that's on that was able to help me develop my game. And I'm just appreciative of that. And for those who, who's just starting off, just trust the process. I know everybody's saying trust the process, but everything takes time and everything takes different levels. And I'm able to be able to achieve where I'm at right now. And I, it wasn't for Bernard. And also without, you know, Jesus Christ, you know, every time I go out to, to do my game, I pray, say a little prayer. Because every game is different, every every coaches are different. So you have to understand the temperature of the game. And what I picked up through my few years of refereeing is understanding the temperature of the game and understanding the flow. Because not not everything one you might say something to one coach, and he might say something else to another coach, and, and it may it may work, but in the next game it may not work. So it's all about understanding the temperature of the game where a coach needs to be able to, sometimes he wants to vent, or sometimes he's doing certain things to get his team 
to be to to play play better. So it's understanding the temperature of the game, and not only understanding the temperature of the game, but understanding your partners too. And and I feel that's a very important thing to be able to work with your partners and have great communication with your partners. Because once you have great communication with your partners, your game your game flow is much better. That's great. I appreciate that. I'm proud of you, to be honest, uh, as I am of everyone else on this line. But I, I take exception to the fact that you always call me after a game to talk out plays. So that, and, and what you may not realize, but what you're doing is you're working on your communication skills. And right. that is what the topic is. And that's why I wanted you to talk a little bit about it. So I'm glad and I'm welcome and hope you enjoy the rest of the evening with us. Thank you. Thank you for Joe, having me. You're definitely be welcome. Joe Cruz, come up and tell us a little bit about the difference of being a commissioner of a league, running a league, one of the better leagues in the city. And then, and then now you jump into the referee level. Tell us a little bit about your communication skills with coaches that play in your league. Now you got a referee one of their games in some other league. Uh, well, listen, good evening, everybody. I hope everybody's doing well uh, during, this, you know, during this unprecedented time. Uh, it's good to see everybody here again. Um, Bernard, thank you for this. Uh, just to follow and share the same sentiments from everybody. Um, it's, it's, you know, I think the hardest, but the easiest thing to say is communication. And I think for me, um, just like everybody, I mean, we know somebody somewhere, somehow, in some place, wherever we go. And it's, you know, it's the hardest part is always to, not the hardest, just the easiest, but it's also hard to understand that you, you are, especially in my role, if I'm, I'm playing two roles, people know me from another situation, just staying focused, staying lasered, lasered on the game. Um, make sure that, you, you know, you're, you're engaged, like, like so many people here said prior to me. Um, you know, always, always lay to your, you know, always lay to your rule book. Uh, all in all, be confident and, 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 and pop that whistle. Be confident in, in your approach, your posture, your presence, you know, how you approach the table um, and, and just your mechanics. So I think that was the hardest part for me, but communication is key. Definitely keep an eye contact with your partner. Some are, some are much more experienced than I was, uh, and I learned from them, their tricks of the trade. Um, but always communicating, asking questions, and, and, and not, not taking things, you know, personal. And uh, just blocking out the fans, blocking out everybody else and staying within those, you know, with the, within those lines. So that's my experience. So um, hope that makes sense. Well, I thank you. And, and yes, it does make sense. I'm going to – did I miss anyone? Okay. We have a couple of guests that's on with us. Uh, and one I'm going to speak on is actually – young man by the name of Alan, works with Central Park. Uh, him and I have been communicating a lot on different things with kids and skills programs and stuff like that. So all I wanted to do is say thank you for him because we practice our communication skills with even though when we're doing programs for kids inside the basketball room. But just to share some information with you, you know, in order to be a good communicator, you got to be a good listener. Once you learn how to listen, you can always be able to communicate. Uh, these are some notes that I wrote down. Uh, always willing to hear what somebody else has to say. Explain your point. You don't have to give a negative body language or you don't have to give a, a negative off tone. 
the things that we always talk about when you call a technical foul, that should not be your loudest call. That should be probably just low, just uh, uh, lower, and your tone should be very low when you're doing something like that. Uh, when you're going to talk about mechanics, a lot of times you have referees that don't talk, but the way that they talk is nonverbal. Your fist is up in the air, it's a strong whistle. That means I'm on canted camera. I just pop my whistle, okay? Now I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna illustrate where the foul occurred. And if that a foul occurred and you illustrated it with your mechanics in a professional way, what happens is that people receive it where you never even said a word. So as we say, especially from a high school level, we say white 24 and we give an illustration of where it happened, that person will look at you before they even question you. We talked a little bit about, Smush was talking a little bit about being approachable. Referees are always approachable. It's the way that players, coaches, and fans may speak to a referee. When you see a referee sometimes don't speak to, to a player, it's not because they don't want to speak to them is the way that they are approached. And at that moment, you're not going to change. So when you see those things occur as an referee, sometimes you, you can acknowledge without going into a conversation. Sometimes just the acknowledgement of I'm giving an ear, it's a, a sign of communication. There's a lot of nonverbals that you can actually do in order to get through a situation. But I want everybody to understand that communication starts with yourself and how you receive someone else. And when someone comes to you, if they come to you nasty, that does not mean you engage into that conversation. Somebody spoke about a coach sometimes don't like a call and their communication skills is about cursing you out so you can toss them. You know, you don't have to jump and go back at them. You can just back away from the table and just tell the table, he said, good night, here's a technical foul, see him later. And you say it with a small tone. You don't let your tone get out of control. Your body language, you don't want it to be out of control. When players are coming at you in a disrespectful manner, you probably call one of the captains over and say, if he has a question, let him come to me in a professional way. If he comes to me in a professional way, I'll answer his question, and this way it may escalate into what we may call a technical file. So I don't need the technical file and I don't need to be the instigator. So at the same time, you may have to back somebody up because at the end of the day, if they came at you in the wrong manner and if you cannot walk away from it, then you may have to introduce yourself in that technical file manner. But once you do it, you always step away. You can communicate as much as you want to work at it. And if you work at it, the better you're going to be at doing it. And the more that you get in different environments, different locations, different tournaments, you practice. I worked in the Lawyers League that I actually run now as the assigner, but I worked over 20-something years. And I've had all the attorneys that you may want to think about, from Pataki to Governor Cromo, his son, uh, and, and, and every one of them feel that everything that they do, they're not basketball players, they're attorneys. So you can imagine that I had to learn at working and speaking and understanding how to and when to, to communicate. 
And my job now is to help you as younger officials, the people on this, on, on this call, on this Zoom, is to help you as younger officials. You have to practice that communication skills by picking up the phone and talking about a play, talking about your game, you know, going to somebody else's game. When you go to a person's game, it's not to criticize, it's how you're gonna grow. So what you're gonna do is you're gonna grow by communicating with them. You can ask them why they made a call. You have a partner. Sometimes we have partners and we don't know how to approach our partner without you know, demoralizing them. Just because you have a little bit more experience doesn't mean you speak to them in any different kind of way. So all of that is saying communication is something that has to be worked at consistently all the time in order to get to the next level because people are gonna want to hear how you communicate. The other side is the listening part is just as big as the speaking part. So when you go to camps and get prepared to go to different camps, you got clinicians that are telling you things in different manners or different ways. And you got to be receptive to understanding how to accept it and how to grow. And if you receive it, then you can ask, how am I doing? Did I get better? Did I learn from this? So everybody sees that practice of listening, speaking, and how do we grow from it? And if we think in a positive manner in a referee world, we will always be positive officials because you're always going out to make the game as fair as possible. You're only gonna call what you see. And if you cannot explain it, maybe you should not have called it. Okay. All right. Uh, Ralph, you have a couple of shots and we're gonna do that and then we'll start up the mentor piece. Uh, let's throw a couple, we got a couple of videos that we wanted to show. And I want everybody to chime in and think about it and tell us a little bit about some plays. Last week, we had some of the referees that asked about some plays. So we brought up a few so we can talk about them. And we want to talk a little bit about the, the body language of the officials and look at their communication skills. We can't hear everything, but just look at their communication skills on this happening. Shoot the first one, go. Okay, hold it. So if you looked at this film, I want him to run it again. And I want, uh, Joe, this is gonna be for you because I know you spoke about it, so you're gonna get the first taste. And I want you to tell us what the lead official did to make this call the correct call. Interest and questions and problems to their head. We're going to be here to listen to whatever issues you guys have. And then we're going to be the ones that Okay. Now, Joe, what, what did he do first? Joe's not on? Renee, tell me what you saw, Renee. And you know what? I can barely see the play. I couldn't, couldn't see, see it. Okay. I couldn't see the video. I don't know how to enlarge it. Okay. Let me uh, try again. Try it okay. again. Can you see that now? Uh, a little bit better. Hold on. Bernard, is that a Bernard? Is this a high school or a college game? It's a high school game. Okay. I believe it's a high school game. In a college game, if that was an RA, an RA um, play, that would be 
an offensive foul. Okay. Because on a rebound in college basketball, that putback, uh, with that putback, that defender would be a primary defender, so they're allowed to be in the restricted area. I don't know if there was something else on that. I, I can't really tell, like, if there was anything else happening on that play, but from looking at the official and he pointed, I don't know if he's pointing at the defender or if he's pointing at the restricted area, but if he's pointing at the restricted area, that call would not be correct because on a rebound, um, on an offensive rebound, that defender would be a primary defender from what Absolutely. it looks like on the camera, on the camera. I can't, I can't tell if there was something else that he did but no, other I, than standing there. But no, a question about the rule is the ruling in high school, there is no lower defensive box defined in high school sports. No, there isn't. So they define this as a rebound. If the rebound comes off, the comes off. Right. Uh, oh. Oh. The LDB is only in women's basketball in high school. There's no LDB and there's no lower defensive block in National Federation rules. It's only in women's basketball and women's rules. So we got an LDB, but in high school you don't have a lower defensive block. So high right. school boys, high school boys, you don't have a low defensive box. But so tell me how they define how that they define every rebound, no matter what, that player becomes a a a um, primary defender. Is that what you're saying? Yes, and in National yeah. Federation rules, since they know there's no LDB, every player becomes a primary defender. Um, and the women's game is totally different because we do have a, a lower defensive block even in high school. And you go, you go primary and you go secondary defender. So when you when you look for different things, but in the Federation rule, we actually don't. Everybody becomes a primary defender. I'm sorry, what does LDB mean? What is that? LDB means, that? means low defensive block. That's um that's actually a terminology a in college and in the women's game. Is a certain in the women's game we still got a post play. So we got the LDB to define certain things, which means primary, secondary defender, and sometimes third. Um, but that's that comes later on in your career. Right now you Oh, okay. That's career. That's a little more advanced. Okay. So, as we're talking about this, Andrew, did you like his body language after he made that call? All right, yeah. Um, what I saw from the video, he had, uh, his posture was great. He was looking straight at the action that was happening in the keyway. Um, I... Sorry, I can't remember who was saying, questioning if it was um, the guy that was in the restricted area, the first defender or the second. I questioned because there was a guy that was, I think, the number 20, a white 20, who, when the rebound comes down for offense, he, I thought that would be the first defender there that bounces off him. And then the guy that fell onto the ground, the number white five, was the secondary. Um, but for me, the, the official there, he walked in. I, on the on the situation, kept eye completely there, and signal was clear, straightforward. There was no hesitation. Okay, I got a couple of things that I see from the high school. I'm thinking of this as a high school game. Even though it's a college game, it's probably, it's, I'm, I'm thinking of it a high school game. Look at the trail official. 
the trail official, first and foremost, the lead official makes a call. He got a block. He's coming out. He never bellies out. He walked right through the middle of the paint. And then you got the trail official that's walking instead of bellying out and coming to go. Watch where they walk right through the whole thing. They're right in the middle of all the players. So anybody that takes an elbow and push their, uh, scratch their head, you can wind up with an elbow right in your head, right in your face, and they're all they're going to say is, I'm sorry. So that's something to think about. Danny, you want to add something on that? No, you're you're completely correct. Um, I mean, he 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 does post, and he's he's quick with going to the you know to the block signal. Um, and he was strong with the call. I'll give him that, and his position exactly. was pretty good. Exactly. Um, but like you said, you know, and I'm I'm sure Kevin could speak to this. You know, walking through the players is is a is an NBA mechanic. It's not a college or high school mechanic. Exactly. And exactly. I don't know, and Kevin could talk about. Um, why they walk through the players. I think it's more about diffusing situations of, you know, players getting each other's faces and things along those lines. But in college, they want us running around the players, getting open an open look to the table and reporting, you know, whatever foul you, you're going to adjudicate at that point. Exactly. Kev, did you want to add something? No, I just I you the, the the whole purpose is knowing your why. Why are you calling RA? You know that communication part that I always talk about is you got to know your why you're doing these things, um, and 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 sometimes explaining properly. And that's why I asked about the RA. Why do we have? Why is this an offense foul? What does that rule mean? I don't want to get too much into the rule. We actually we we actually don't have the same uh, uh, problems that you have in in um, high school sports. Um, as you have here, our reasons for our double switches and having all the referees moving at the same time was so the referees are not in the same position all the time. Right, right, uh, right. Also having, you know, where you have one official always standing still. Um, and, and part of that is that we have players who are, who are older, who are more mature, who don't do the crazy stuff that you have in these high school games. And remember, high school is a learning sport, you know. In the, in the high school realm, these kids are still learning how to uh, play this game. So a lot of our mechanics don't reflect the same here. Um, the Ashley, Ashley. I just, yeah, I want to say Ashley too. Uh, I left Ashley off that saying yeah. that she could talk about this as well. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask Ashley, as a young lady at the top level of basketball, how do you feel about when you're walking through the paint from a pro level and you're communicating to a seven foot two guy who don't want to listen to you, how do you feel about that when you're communicating? Yeah, I definitely think for us when we're switching um, and we're walking through the paint, walking through the players, it's important for us to have our eyes on the players. You'll see a lot of time where if I'm going from like the first trail in this play and then I was going to go administer the free throw at lead, I would get into probably the lane line closest to him and I would pivot and turn so that I could keep as many players in my field of vision as possible. So that then if there is talking back and forth or something needs to be addressed, I can, I can try and see as many players as possible. Just in terms of communication, kind of piggyback off what we were talking about before, um, being a lot smaller than the guys, obviously my, I don't have a loud voice. My voice doesn't carry as loud as the guys, especially with that many people in an arena. 
Um, I always call them by their first name or try to really try to know every single person, bench players, starters, stars. I call them by their first names and I say please and thank you. Um, so if I'm coming into lead to administer a free throw and I don't ask for the ball because at least for us where we are, sometimes players will be irritated or, and if you're asking for the ball, like it's, you just might be starting a situation where if they're upset with you, then you're kind of putting fi uh, igniting fire. So if they give me the ball willingly, I'll say, you know, thank you, whatever their first name is. So that kind of like what the other gentleman Smush was saying, you know, they're, you, they're humans, we're humans, we're all there, they're trying to do their jobs, we're trying to do our jobs in a professional manner. I think using common courtesy, please and thank you and knowing their first names and making your presence known. Um, can't really hear the video on what this guy, whether or not he used his voice, but I think just making yourself present and making sure the players know that your presence is there. Doesn't matter if you're male, female, seven foot, five, nine, um, they'll feel your presence. And as long as you're not like trying to, they talk about avoidance where we are. And as long as you're not trying to avoid a situation, the players will respect that. Hey, I have a question. Can everybody hear me? Yes. Yeah. Can I? Yes. All right. So the official made the call. Uh, the lead official. Um, I was just wondering, um, was he in the right position? Because uh, it looked like the play was in the paint, and uh, you know he wasn't in uh, the lead uh, lead A, or you know whatever you know uh, the terminology is. I know there's three spots on the on a on a baseline A, B, and C. It looked like he made the call from um, the B slot. I was wondering no. why he didn't get that. No? No, the lead made the call. See the, the lead. Show him. Ralph, put the yeah. arrow on the lead. Yeah, the lead. Right? The, Underneath. The, right. That's the lead. Yeah. And he made the call. Right? Boom. So now, just to show you an example, hold on. If that trail, if he went to where he is right now, he would be fine because this official is coming up to the table and going to be in this same trail position and, and as you look at a rotation. B, Bernard. Yes. It, I think Smush's question is, does, do we think that the official that made the calling official was in the proper position to make that call at this point? And I kind of get what he's saying is that he's – He's not closed down as much as he probably should be. Um, okay. But I, but I think he still had the angle um, for that play because when you look at it from my angle, for what I'm looking at, you know, he has a clear view at the player basically lowering his shoulder and, you know, knocking the defender down. Now, I don't know what he saw. Again, I, I don't know if he's pointing at the defender or if he's pointing at the restricted area. Um, but – I think he had a good view at it where he was standing, which would probably be like, you know, the B, the B position. But I could see right. why Smush was asking if he should be more closed down on that to get a better look. No, can I interject real quick before you answer? Yes. Go um, ahead. To go off of what Ralph was saying, I think that his position, it being in the B-ish area of the baseline, 
gave him a better angle. In fact, rather than if he was closer down, pinned down, I think he gets blocked off by that defender who eventually falls to the ground. So I think that his position right there makes him see through the play, which is why I guess he was so strong with the uh, call he made. Mm-hmm. And, you know, something that should be said about, you know, his patience with it. Like once he put his hand up real strong, he had like stepped in the play, which you gave him like, it made it engaging and it made us believe that he was confident in his call. Um, I agree. But just in terms of positioning, I think he was in the a perfect spot because if he was closer to the to the players, I think he gets closed off by that defender. Uh-huh. Hey, hey Bernard, I, I, I personally think the, the referee's in good position to make a good decision. You know, he, he I, I always go back to your reason why you're there. You know, you mm-hmm. can see this play. Um, being closed down doesn't increase your averages. Being farther back doesn't increase your averages. Where he's standing at, he has good. He has a good angle in the play, and his why is like he doesn't need to move any further. For a six foot person, smooth shooter, six five, you could probably take a step back, and you can still see that play better than someone else who's a lot shorter. So you have to, you know, in a, a lot of ways, just you know, those are benchmarks. What they tell you, those three spots. But the, the truth is, if you're in good position to see the play, you know, to make a good decision, that's where you need to be. I actually think this referee's in good position to see the play. And, and the decision-making part is the next step. But right. position-wise, I'm very happy with where he's at. Yeah. All right, yeah. can we just show one more? Let's show one more, and then we'll get into the mentorship. And Khalil, uh, we'll get you to start up when we start up. We're asking some questions, okay? Let's go to the next play. Uh, not that one. Go to the other one. Not that one we just did. Here it goes. This is it. Oh, this wasn't it. It's the second one. Uh, he's showing the same one. All right. I got it. It's the one right there. Yep. No. Yeah. It's the one right in was in the middle. The nineteen second one. No, that's the block. Says it was on the all right, just go back to the other one then. Whichever one we can show. Here we go. I that got it. I got it. Yeah, there it is. Let's look at the rotation of the officials. And now we had a foul call. Let's go back. Slow it down for a second. Watch the trail official when he gets ready to make his call but he's watching the whole play through. Go ahead. His fist came up. His his fist went up. What did he call? Uh, Cliff? Can you replay it one more time so I can just see what he did? Okay. Yeah, um, so I don't know if whether 
once he put his hand up, if it was a fist or a signal for three first and then a fist. Um, but he, he didn't give a preliminary signal. So um, I think he just had him. Uh, I think the defender put a hand on the shooter's chest, which is, you know, a push. But um, right. in terms of his preliminary signal, he didn't give one. So I, I would have liked to see at least a hand signaling three first and then a fist so that we know that it was just on the shot. Um, but then again, I mean, the video isn't too clear. I don't know if he, he did okay. that. You know? Well, what, what I'm seeing, anybody else, Arthur, you want to chime in on it? Can you see it? I see it. I mean, he called a foul, but what what exactly, what kind of foul? He didn't say uh, a push or whatever, but... Um, Watch him chuck him right in the stomach. Right, I, I see him chucking the stomach. Yeah, I did see that. I, 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 I see, I just saw it now. But I, I believe that, again, communication skills. If he would have came out and chucked his hand, we right. and then went to the table, if he never said nothing out of his mouth. If he would have put the fist we, sign up and then like even a push sign, right. he, he would have known exactly what it was. Exactly. Right. So that's where we say nonverbal sometimes helps us uh -huh. because everybody's looking at what's actually happening and you want to be able to see a player go up and come back down. So it was a great pickup. I don't know what time it was in this game. But <coughs> these are certain things that you want to catch early. So jump shooters, you know, uh, I was listening the other day and we're talking, with, which is going to be next week. We're going to be doing a topic uh, about pregame. Know your players. Know your teams. Understand who they are. Because there's some teams that shoot nothing but jump shots, and there's some teams that do a lot of driving. As an official, you got to understand that that's part of your homework. Uh -huh. That's part of your homework. If you go into a park and you see a team warming up and you see them shooting a lot of jump shots, you may say that may be a jump shooting team. But they get on the court and everything they do is go to the basket. You got to be prepared. Okay. We're going to start our next segment. Next segment is going to start on, is going to be mentors. And I think what I would like to do, if you don't mind, Danny, start and tell us what do you think it takes to be a good mentor and why, you, why and who, I mean, I know I helped you, but, and I know Zach did a lot of help with you, but there's other things that, and qualities that you're looking, that you're looking for a mentor to have in order for you to think that you're doing the job that, that made you a division one official? Well, I think a lot of it, you know, it's, I think there are stages to the mentorship. Um, you know, like when I was with you, it was a very, very early stage in my life. And we talked basketball the whole time through, you know, you, you put me in the lawyers league, the corporate league. Um, and that helped me a lot in becoming um, the official that I am today because I was able to see how bad I was at that point and it really made me work at being better um, you know and working with your son didn't help either so just to let you know that um, <laughs> um, but uh, you know you 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 learn yourself you you start to learn the things about yourself as an official and even I would say even a year ago like yeah, I became a Division One official a year ago. It was my first year, but I, I'm still working on a lot of things. And there's still people that I speak to 
um, like a Brian O'Connell, a Brian Dorsey, um, you know, those guys I, I speak to all the time. And there's a group chat that I'm in with a bunch of guys that probably Ashley knows and, and probably even Kevin knows, um, you know, like a Tyler Murkovich, um, you know, a Paul Toomey, uh, Pat O'Connell, like newer guys that are getting into the G League and getting their feet wet, you know, a uh, Will Mensa. Um, those are guys that we talk basketball every week. We share plays. And I think that mentoring is not only a thing where you, you're going to mentor a new official, but I think we mentor each other. Even though we're experienced, we're kind of mentoring each other through the process. Um, you know, we're only going to get better by being honest with each other and really being honest with yourself. Um, you know, if you can't be honest with yourself and take and be your own worst critic, um, I don't think you're going to be able to survive in this game. Um, you know, being able to know when you're wrong, being, in, being confident when you're right, um, and then taking your experiences and being able to disseminate that information to those guys that are asking for help um, or want to know more and want to learn. You know, I know Londell's on this call, and, you know, me and Londell talk all the time about basketball. He calls me all the time. He just called me last week. And we just talked about, you know, not only life, but we talked about just like, you know, staying engaged. And, and even though we're in a time where not much is going on, what can we be doing to keep ourselves um, motivated and, and, and keeping our knowledge at a, at a high level? And it's being in the rule book and staying in shape is a big thing. You know, everything now is about being in shape and, and the look. Um, but I think, you know, the main characteristics um, of being a good mentor is somebody that's willing to share their story. Um, a lot of people don't want to share their story because they, they're, they may be scared or maybe intimidated by the next person, but you can't be that way. You got to be able to sit, talk, maybe even go to a game and, and really break down a film um, and be honest about what you see so that that person, when they go home, they can watch the film and say, you know what? I think Danny was right. I, I really thought I had these calls correct. Um, but I really wasn't. And I do that to myself every time I watch, every time I ref a game, I go home and watch it. I'm like, damn, like I suck tonight. Um, right. So it's about right. being honest with yourself and, and being your own worst critic so that you can move forward and be better. Awesome. Hey, uh, as you just brought up Londell, Londell, tell us what do you think it takes to be or to have a good mentor in your game as you grow in this game? Um, actually takes just the ability to want to be a sponge. Um, I say that to say that I have maybe two or three close mentors, uh, Danny obviously being one of them, uh, the most recent in the stable, so to speak. But when I, I noticed that my first mentor that I had is a women's official. He's a college D2 and women's official. And from my infancy to where I'm at even today, he still gets on me about various things that even if I feel like I'm doing them right, he's just a stickler for wanting it done to perfection. He's that mentor for me and allowing me to always be on point. I have another mentor in Danny, though, trying to find how to navigate through the waters of climbing the ladder or, or, or understanding when I kick a call, I can go talk to this guy because he's going to receive the information better than another mentor will, right? It's all about communication and the aspect of knowing who I can talk to about certain things. I know we all have family members where 
I mean, I'm not sure if everybody has a mother and a father as far as still being on this earth, but you can't go talk to mom about everything. Sometimes you right. got to go talk to right. dad. Right. Right. And I always understand and understand my audience the same way I do on the court, knowing who I have to talk to about certain things or feel like more comfortable about who I'm talking to about certain things. Um, Bernard, you and I, we have no canvas, no, no, no slate of where we can go with our conversation. So we talk about everything. Danny and I are the same way. Most of the people on this call that I know are the same way. I mean, I'm, I haven't talked to Kevin Sparrick much, but you came into my class when I was getting taught fresh out, fresh out the gate by Modest. And I listened to everything you had to say. And I had a couple of questions with you and your, uh, your lady there at the time, but it's a, it's a willingness to want to be a sponge. And then that will just steamroll into what they have to say and how you apply it. You, you, are how, you apply what you want to on your own. And I've always been told even by Danny, by you, Bernard, when you get on, I mean, even Earl Robinson, who some people might think that's not a good mentor to have. Uh, and I'm not saying he's mine, but <laughs> I mentored think, Earl. So I'm no, but I'm just saying you might think, you might think that guy's a jerk by the way his approach is, but he taught me something that's a very uh, high quality nugget that I'm going to share with everybody. Every time you step on the court, yes, you should be learning something. But more importantly, if you're on a court with an official that's, um, especially if he's higher ra rated than you, higher ranked as far as like in college or doing higher level, even higher level varsity and you're a JV official, what did you take from him? Right. And that's not to say that we should be out here stealing purposely, you know, to, 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 but everybody, it's, it's, a, it's a copycat league just the same way the NBA and college and basketball as a whole is. So when you get on the court, what did you take from that person? Like there might be a guy that might be worse than you as an official, but he might be a great communicator and he knows how to get you out of a park, out of a gym. What did you take from him on how I can apply in case I get in a firefight somewhere where I'm not supposed to be? How can I leave this arena? All right. All right. Kenny Romano, nice to hear your voice. What do you think a mentor does for you and what have you learned from some of your mentors? Hey, how's everyone doing, first of all? All right. <laughs> all right. Good. Thank you. Um, mentorship. You know, I'm fairly new to this game, so I try to, I try to soak in as much as possible every time I step on the court or even when I'm observing a game. You know, if I have <clears> – <throat> if I'm scheduled for a game, I try to get there early just to watch other officials. There's a very small community. Right. So at one point in time, we're probably going to work with each other or I'm going to see you, you know, just cross, cross paths going off and on the court. Right. So I try to pick up as much as possible, you know, every time for me right now, everyone that I work with is some type of mentor, you know, for me. Right. No matter what type of level, because everybody's bringing something else to to the table, to the court that I could learn from. Right. So and that, that comes from communication that comes from um, e even attire, you know, your, your, your body, how you look, your grooming and everything, you know, not just basketball itself once you're on the court, but presentation. You know, these are things that I learned from and, and it's very important. So there's a couple of people in here that I have worked with and I have learned from and I'm continue to do that. So it's very important to me onto my continuation within this um you no know, basketball basketball world awesome awesome before we get ralph to come on we have another guest that's jumped on and i want them to say hello so phil moore 
all the way from Virginia. Are you on? Phil? I don't I don't see him in here, Bernard. Okay. All right. So before you get started, Ralph, Renee, can you tell us a little yes. bit about what you think of a mentor? And then Ralph, can you take it next? Um for me, I think a mentor should be someone that pr provides like a constructive feedback. Someone who's supportive, who's like enthusiastic, who wants to share info. And at this point, like I'm so willing to learn and I'm so willing to want to get better. I am too like a sponge. So just for someone who exhibits like these characteristics that will help me grow and become a better official. Awesome. Ralph, yeah, I, 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 talk to me. I was going to say, just like Kenny and Renee uh, visualized for all of us, one of our, my first conversations with Bernard was him talking about identifying, um, taking a step closer to people that are interested in this craft. And I think cream always rises to the top. And I think everybody on this call is a, a real good example of that. And one thing that somebody taught me early was that a mentee, a person that it wants to get mentored um, is the person that's going to drive the mentor. So you're only gonna be as good as what the mentee gives you because you could be the best person and dispense the greatest information. If the person doesn't want it themselves, then it's, it's really for nothing, right? Okay. So for one thing, I, I always feel as though you can always dispense that information, but you know, I'm kind of in a space where I'm starting to become a mentor and I have a lot of mentors within me. So I would like to identify somebody who we always think that is qualified or, or feels as though that they're ready for that information, but you're only gonna be as motivated as they are. So always at times when, when you feel like you're soaking in that knowledge, just always be ready to receive that information. All right, awesome. So I have someone I'd like to shout out and have them say a few words. Uh, they're listening in, don't know I'm gonna call their name, but I do want to hear him say a few words. Uh, and what does he look at as a mentor to things that he does? And to have a sister-in-law and a brother, a sister-in-law in the NBA, a brother in Division One, and he's just an investing banker. So Steve, <laughs> say hello. <laughs> Steve? Sorry, can you hear me? That's a, yeah, we can hear you. Oh, you got a okay. 76 hat on. Yeah, oh, I, I, I got to represent. <laughs> Tell us Thanks a for having bit me. About so this has yeah. been very, very cool to listen into. Great. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how you feel about mentors. So, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I was listening in earlier and like the communication thing I would like to touch on as well, because that's what I'm really more interested in. In terms okay. of mentoring, what a lot of you guys have said makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, it's really just sharing those. And all of you people seem to have, have done very, very well. So it's really just kind of sharing these experiences and willing to share these experiences. Um, and, you know, the, the people I've mentored in my career, um, you know, they're, they're always, the, when you have a mentee or someone's looking up to you, they're there for a reason. They're there to learn from you. Um, and so... The point of it is, is that you want to give them, you know, tell them the good and the bad. So the things that have gone well, it's not always going to be rosy. You're going to go through a lot of difficult times, 
but also just, um, you, you know, criticize them, but it needs to be constructive criticism. I've learned throughout, even from my managers I've had in work, are that, you know, the people who do well and handle people the best are the ones who can offer constructive criticism. Um, the mentors I've had can, can offer constructive criticism. Um, you know, if, if you're, people are going to make mistakes, if you focus on those mistakes, it's fine, but you need to kind of show how they can grow from that. So, you know, if someone's always doing the same thing over and over again to kind of pound on them, it, especially as a younger person, it really weighs on you. Um, and, you know, if, if you share and say, look, everyone's been through this, we've been through these things before, um, this is a way to grow from that. And we've all been in those shoes. I think it's very important to kind of share that you've all, we've all been in those shoes. We've all been starting from the bottom, had to work our way up. And, you know, we, we've had to listen to those people and take those criticisms in um, in order to kind of grow and get to that next level. So, um, awesome. you know, yeah, a lot of what you guys have said really kind of hits the nail on the head. And, um, you know, um, and just in terms of the communication thing, the way, again, I'm not a referee at all. I've, I've played basketball. I've been at every level except for pro playing wise. And, and since, I, since I could walk, I've had a basketball in my hand. Um, you know, and as you know, as Bernard mentioned, my sister-in-law is an NBA ref. My brother's a college ref. My father, very proud. The oldest is, is an 84-year-old high school referee. So, um, you know, he's still going strong. So, um, nice. but in terms of that, um, that kind of communication thing, I think it's important in anything you do is that um, you guys are really kind of seen as, as, as a manager and you're managing this game. So what's very important is that, and a few of you people have said this early on, you guys have said this multiple times, is that you really kind of need to understand the players, the coaches, the fans that you're interacting with on a daily basis. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, you know, and I think it's important in that communication aspect where if, you know, you, as Bernard had mentioned earlier, you do your research early on. So not only you understand if a team is a jump shooting team, a layup team, you understand the way these coaches work. You understand the way these players think, where the way they work. So it's very important, especially on the coaches and, and the referees and the admin people, to understand how they think as well. You know, everyone is going to be approached in a different way. And when you can actually approach that person in the way they like to be talked to and, and they appreciate and they feel that you're actually, they're actually being listened to, I think it go very, very far. Um, just in, awesome. you, know, you know, kind of taking that next step. So great. I have another young man that's on Brian Davis from out of Jersey. Brian was introduced. He listened to the podcast. He's a referee ramp person that jumps on and uh, him and I talked a minute and I asked him what he mind jumping on and hearing out what's going on. So Brian, can you give us a little bit and say hello to the group? Hey, everybody. How you doing today? Can you hear me? Good. Hello. How you yeah. doing? How yes. You doing? Good. I'm good. Like what so I'm hearing so far, like the video breakdown. Okay. What do you think about communication? Communication. Communication is key, whether it's between partners or talking to a coach or explaining something to the player if you have to. Communication is everything. Who do you, who do you have as some mentors? Oh, uh, a couple refs, a couple older refs like Gary Patterson, uh -huh. uh, Division One ref, uh, Pastor Torres. I don't know if anybody out there knows he does uh, women. Well, I trained both of those gentlemen. Oh, so you do know. Them. <laughs> so you can tell, just tell them that Bernard Bowen said hello. 
Okay, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will. Okay. All right. Uh, I, B, I have a question. I, yes. If you don't mind not to cut you off. Um, yes. I noticed uh, the topic is uh, communication, and everybody's been talking about how they've had mentors and uh, they speak on the phone with their peers. And uh, how important when you want to get to the next level is that, you know, talking to other referees? Because uh, I'm, I'm fairly new in this game. Uh, well, I don't want to say this basketball game, but as a referee, I'm fairly new. Although I, I'll, I'll tell you, I've been helping referees make make calls ever since I, you know, since I was 13. <laughs> um, Kevin can, can attest to that. But um, how important is it to have, you know, guys, you know, who you mentors, I should say, to help you help guide you in this game? Because me, I made it to to the NBA with no mentors, and you know, I was just a sponge. I was a student to the game of basketball, and that was that was my way of learning. I watched and I, I, I took away from every experience. I didn't have one or two people that taught me X, Y, and Z. I didn't call people up and, you know, you know, teach me or, you know, we bounce things off of. So if I want to make it to the, you know, the NBA level, you know where I want to go. How important is it to actually have that communication with, uh, you know, other referees? Okay. What I, I'm going to say is, and I take some of that, I'm going to take some of that as being a mentor to you. Uh, as I saw you and Bernard Jr. grow up together in a park and seeing you escalate to that level of uh, getting into the NBA. So we do go way back. Mm -hmm. uh, your basketball ability said hello to a lot of people. It's a business. Refereeing is stages of getting there to get into the business. In order for you to be acknowledged at that higher level, there's steps that you have to take. Your mentors need to put you in positions so that you can go and be honest with you. Uh, you and I have had a number of conversations. Uh, there's other people that you're going to have to have conversations with, but you're going to have to choose and pick. Uh, using Danny as an example, Danny and I used to talk and he used to go to camps and we would come back and we would talk a little bit about it. And then I knew who he was, as you would say, rolling with or running with, however you want to say it. But the fact of the matter is he selected certain people that was on the same level in the same mindset to go to the next level. You want to now, because you have a different dynamic, you have a different, as you said, you have a different lane to go down. You play at the highest level. You're refereeing as a beginner. What are you actually going to do in order to get to that same level? What are you actually, what window do you have to get into so that you can actually grow in it? You can do it. It's a smaller window because you're at a certain age level. But at the end of the day, the working abilities that you are going to be on or where somebody else might be on, because you understood the game from your level, you can fast pace yourself. You and I had a conversation with Al Batista. We, you, we talked a little bit about uh, J.B. Caldwell. Those two gentlemen are the two gentlemen that get the guys into the G League. Uh, they go out and they watch. They heard. The NBA is always looking for ex-players to become officials. They do. They want them. But are you going to put the effort in? Are you going to follow up? 
And sometimes when you call some of the guys that are in those mentorships or leadership positions, they're not available at your beck and call. You want them to be, but you got to be persistent. That becomes being going after the hunger. And when you call me 10 times, and that means that I got to pick up one time and call you back. So don't never feel that you're going to lose something by following up. And in and, and a lot of the referee scenarios, a lot of referees are in the right place at the right time because you made yourself available. And one thing a mentor should be always telling you is always get yourself involved in environments that are safe environments for you to grow to get to the next level. Every environment for referees is not for all referees. And if you're trying to go to certain levels. Second, something to be careful about. There's a lot of people that show that they want to be your mentor. They want to slow you down. They do want to slow you down because you're told to take their job. It's a job. And the better you become as an official, that means what? That those referees got less games to work. And now if they're truthfully a mentor to you, they will take you to a game. And they'll say, you do and they got three games, they'll say, you do one of my games, and I'll watch you and critique you after that game. There's a person by, oh, we all know, named John Coulson. John Coulson became a referee, and the first game that John Coulson ever refereed was a game that I said, John, cover that game. He's looking for work. You do this game. And John has taken it and run with it ever since. So, I can only say to younger officials, there's ways to growing up in the basketball community. And I always say, crawl, walk, jog, and run. Do not try to run before you know how to crawl because you're going to fall down. Sometimes it's late getting late to the dance. is better than not getting to the dance at all. Okay? So in your case, I'm going to use you as an example. Your phone calls you're networking, you're traveling, and sometimes get out of your neighborhood in order to do certain things makes you a better person as a referee. And when you find a mentor that truly cares about you, like Chris Solano, Chris Solano and I are on the phone almost every day. He beats, he beats Joe Cruz and he beats Ralph. <laughs> and we're talking about everything. And both of us like to eat, Listen. so you know that we're and talking about food as well. Listen, Joe Cruz, Joe Cruz, Joe Cruz don't even return my phone call. Neither does oh. Ralph. Oh, okay. Neither, so neither one talk. of those guys return my phone call. So, so, so let's gentlemen, just put that on the table. Let's just put that on the table. So, so gentlemen, between Mr. Joe Cruz and Mr. Ralph, uh, Mr. Mr. Parker would like a return phone call. So when we hang up after today, please give him a return phone call and set up a time that we can all have a conversation. Thank you, sir. Ivy, can you tell me a little bit? Are you still on? Yeah, I'm still here. Tell us a little bit about what you think about a, a mentor. Um, they're super duper important, especially for, I know Ashley um, isn't here anymore, but uh, but Renee is on is on the line. Um, there, mentorship is very important, um, especially I would say for women, for young women trying to get into the refereeing circuit. 
um, just because navigating certain things will be a little bit difficult just because we are perceived differently in this world co compared to men. However, there is a big push at the moment to get a lot of uh, women in the game. Um, you know, it's everything. I mean, I learned a lot this year in terms of different connections and networking and reports that Bernard said. Like, I remember um, this past winter, I would probably hit up Bernard maybe two or three times a week. And initially, I thought maybe I was like annoying him, but I was like, you know what? If he has work out there and if he knows that I'm ready to go, then, you know, oh well, <laughs> even if I am annoying him, but whatever. But, um, but I learned that I was just the way to stick with it and stay in, uh, stay, stay in the game, really. Absolutely. Joe, Joe, you want to say something? About mentorship, correct? Yes. Yes. So, Mentorship, I mean, for me, it's a, just, it's amazing to have uh, Smush and Danny because, and not to put them on the spot, and I hope they're still here hearing this, because um, with those two gentlemen, you know, they, they, they graced the court playing uh, at Orchard Beach, and I've played alongside them and wonder why I wasn't the same team with those kind of guys and talent. But just watching them grow, watching to be, become who they were, and now seeing Danny become official, I mean, an, an elite official in my eyes, who was, that's like my teammate 20 years ago and then Smush becoming an NBA player. And, you know, now now him and I are doing games together. It's kind of surreal. And then having you as a mentor and what it means is just keeping you grounded and keeping you humble, you know, taking your licks and, and, and understand that, you know, through through the challenge, the outcomes, you know, you'll be successful. And especially refereeing, you got bad games and great games, but you know what, there's always another game. So for me, it was just to make sure that I, uh, you know, put forward my knowledge of the game and what I've been, you know, blessed around, like just using Danny and Swish as an example and then having them be my mentor as well as you is, is what I consider mentorship. Great. Khalil, tell us a little bit about, and Khalil's got a, a dad that's an official as well. As we all know, he got a twin brother. How do you feel about a mentoring outside of your household? Um, I think it's very important. Um, I try to, you know, like uh, Lundell said, just taking away things from different people all the time and um, trying to stay closely connected with those people. You've uh, been a great inspiration in my life. Um, just staying connected with you has uh, been beneficial. I met you through Joe. So just meeting people entirely is, I think, the key and trying to stay connected with them. Um, and yeah, I just try to take things as I go. Um, obviously, it's helped to having a, a father who's officiated as well. You said um, keeping it outside the family, but it, it's a big part. I'd say in me and Cloud, we both relay plays to each other, so it's 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 helpful too. Um, but uh, but yeah, just staying connected as much as I can. Um, trying to call, just uh, talk through plays, and I think uh, I think um, it's good to get information, but it's better to 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 give it. So. What I learned through, uh, through people, I try to give it to uh, officials who, you know, are my age, younger, thinking about uh, doing it as well. Because I started at a very young age, at like 17. And I know some people, I've, I've tried to get people to do the same thing. And uh, it's, it's been helping them out. So I, I, I like to give information as well. Awesome. Arthur Smith, give us a little bit about what do you think has helped you in your career? as an official and accepting certain things about mentorship? Um, like, like everyone else has been saying, mentorship is definitely a big thing. You know, you and I talk 
daily. If we don't talk every other day, it's it's a I'm thinking something happened to you or something happened to me. But um, <laughs> Dan, I know Dan. I know Dan. Chris uh, always um, calls me up when he sees a game and gets, tells me what I'm doing wrong, which is always great. Um, and I've worked with a couple of guys on it also. And after the game, we've talked and we've um, discussed what went wrong, what went right, um, what we need to work on, and everything else. So I feel like every time I'm on that court, I'm learning something. And I always feel like we're always mentoring each other, you know, because we're learning something from each other. Um, like um, I forgot who said it. Um, you're always copying somebody. You're always taking the good or the the good from the person who's above you. Anything else? Um, who's but also who's below you or the same level as you or whatever. Um, but I know during the game, I always try to take something from the ref that I've I've worked with, and um, and I feel like that's also being mentored in a certain way because I'm learning something from the person. All right, you know so. Um, yeah. Good. Hey, uh, Chris Solano. Yeah, B, you hear me? Yes, sir. Okay, um, for me, mentorship is totally something different. I, obviously, you know, one of my mentors is you, but mentorship is something totally different. You got to put yourself with a mentor that's going to care about you as if it was them. So you, I selected mentors like yourself, and even when I try to mentor people, I care about these people more than I care about myself, and I want them to achieve more than myself you understand so it's really a real mentor somebody who i can call before a game after a game during a game or just just speak somebody who wants the best for you i think a mentor will want the best for you it's not what it's not what you tell somebody it's how you tell them and it's and that's how i feel a mentor should be somebody who cares about you completely your overall right. health your career wants the best for you well i can sit here and say thank you uh I would like to tell everyone I'm very much appreciative of what you guys have given me the platform to do as a mentor to all of you, to be a, a leader in the referee community, take it with pride, take it with honor, and share my knowledge, my experience to help you become better and to achieve some of the goals that you guys want to have. Uh, I'm going to be here for you. And we pick up the phone and you need to call me, I got to call you back or I got to text you back. If, again, if I miss you by day, you're not insulting me by coming back. To me, I believe in mentorship. I could not be the person that I am without being able to mentor others. So I've been mentored and I want to be able to share that with all of you. You guys take that communication skills with, men with mentorship, understand it. It's important. It's a big part of this role of being a basketball official. And all I can say is work at it. It gets better. It gets easier. And the more that you do it, the prouder you're going to be. And then you're going to look to mentor someone else. You'll look to communicate with others and let others see how you communicate to make you a better official. That's what our goal is. That's what these uh, Zoom sessions are. Uh, we got a minute to close it out. Ralph, please tell us a little something as we close it out. No, I just, I just want to say that... Um... Just aside from the, sorry, my wife is walking past. Um, a, she got a, tech, you got a technical file? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I, I just want to say that Bernard has been the inspiration of me really uh, bringing referee rant to the next level. Um, we, we're talking about communication. Um, I think now in this world, 
social media has been ever so important. And I think for the longest time, as Bernard can probably attest from when he started coming up, uh, we have been seen and not heard. But now this is really the only way we can really, in a large gathering, uh, congregate and communicate. So I always thank Bernard because I always <coughs> make, make any missteps when it comes to making this art and not getting an assigner or getting myself in trouble because I'm in a precarious position since I have a, you know, a podcast and a website. Uh, but like I said, I thank Bernard for his continued support and I'm still looking forward to making more art out of this. Awesome. Uh, next week, Thursday, we'll be doing our last round table for now. We got two great topics that's going to be coming up. I'll be sending it out. Topics are going to be pregame and postgame. Uh, the po the pregame is I'm going to give some insights of, of how we actually should be thinking about a pregame and ask you what do you do for your pregame? Regardless if it's rec ball or high school, college, what are you actually doing to, for a pregame? Uh, do you, do you, do, I can share information with you, and I'm not saying I'm 100% right, but we all got information that we can share with one another. So we'll be doing that on the pregame. The postgame, the postgame we're going to be doing, we're going to be doing a postgame, and in that postgame, it's talking about writing a game report. There's a lot, and, and the way you practice doing it in order to become better, so if the opportunity is given to you, you already know how to do it. That's what we're going to be doing next week. Look forward to seeing you all. Pass the word. Let them know how you enjoyed it, because I hope you all did. And I'll talk Thank to you much, Bernard. If they need to call me, have a good one. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.